0: Welcome to the Foresight Church Podcast. Enjoy this week's sermon. For more information about us, go to ForsyteChurch.co.za Oh, well, not quite the storybook ending, huh? Not for us anyway. But you men played like champions. You never gave up. And champions hold their heads high. What you achieved goes way beyond the win-loss column or what's going to be written on the front page of the sports section tomorrow. You've achieved something that some people spend their whole lives trying to find. What you achieved is that ever-elusive victory within and gentlemen, I am so proud of you. I came to coach basketball players and you became students. I came to teach boys, and you became men. And for that I thank you. Richmond. Rich what? Rich men. Rich what? Richmond. men. Where are we from? Richmond, what's my hometown? Richmond, what we love? Richmond. So, who's ready to play some basketball now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no foresight. Come on. Where you from? <laughs> Good morning, friends. How are you doing today? That is wonderful. That was some incredible worship and some good words. Thank you so much, team, for leading us there. I have the immense privilege of teaching on two of my personal gifts today teaching and encouragement. After today, I hope that you feel taught and encouraged. All right. So, but before I jump into the preach, I want to ask a question Have you guys heard of the superhero? The Jim way too much with a lisp. He's Thor. <laughs> so that's my dad joke for the day. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did enjoy telling it. <laughs> All right, so friends, we are still stuck in Romans 12 from verse 6 to 8. So let's just read that again. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying... Let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. And if it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Now friends, today we are going to specifically be looking at teaching and encouraging and I think the best place to start is quickly to explain what these two gifts are. All right, so teaching. The gift of teaching is the ability to gather vast amounts of information, breaking it down into small digestible chunks, and then giving those chunks to people for their embitterment. Teaching is always an outward-focused gift meant to improve the people that you are busy teaching. And I want to quickly set something straight. Teaching does not mean you need to be the preacher. It doesn't mean that you need a platform. In fact, one-on-one teaching is probably the place where in my personal life I see the most growth in people because you get to have a decent conversation opposed to not being able to interact. The gift of teaching does not need you to be a public figure, so get that out of your mind immediately, you might, sc- you might have scored high on teaching and then you think to yourself, never in my life, I'm not a school teacher, I've never been on the stage, I've never had a podium, I've never had some scope to do this, you don't need any of those things to be a phenomenal teacher, James 3 says this about teachers, because there's a warning on being a teacher as well, James 3 says this, I'm going to read it, I don't want to get it wrong. Not many should presume to sit in the office of teaching because we will be judged more strictly. Now that's a little bit scary, I'm not going to lie, because I love teaching. But there's a massive reality that the thing that we are busy with, teaching carries immense weight. There is an immense responsibility And that's why, if you look at people that have teaching as a gift, you'll find that they often seem obsessive. They love the truth and getting down to the heart of a matter. They love to have knowledge that doesn't make sense, necessarily for the heart of what they're talking about. But teachers are usually fun people to talk to, because you can talk to them about a vast variety of things, because they get intrigued, and then they gather, get information more and more and more. And then at the point where they start teaching it, They have the ability to put bits and bits and bits of it down. And in that, that immense responsibility, we know that we stand and before God we need to give account to every single word that we have said. And that's both terrifying and both wonderful for me because that's how involved God is with each one of these gifts. And you know what? The one thing that I love about this gifted series so far is that it reveals so much more of the giver than the receiver. Have you guys thought about it? If we read these gifts, it's incredible to see what God is wanting to give us. And that tells me that God is so involved that we can't not be involved with what He wants to give us. So that's in short, quickly, the gift of teaching. A quick description of encouragement. If you think of the word encouragement... What word is right smack bang in the middle of it? Courage. No, you can't say courage. A horse and courage. Come on, give me courage. courage. Yeah. All right. So encouragement. The purpose of this gift is to build others up. Giving courage to other people, specifically in difficult times. Now, we see many, many, many movie clips using this gift to get you to want to play basketball. To get you to want to go back on that field. Facing the Giants is full of many encouraging speeches. If you haven't watched it yet, do yourself a favor. Facing the Giants. We don't play any football in South Africa. We do real sports. Um, but uh, <laughs> we tackle people when we want to tackle them. Come on, man. So, um, but yeah, there are many forms of encouragement. And... It's incredibly, incredibly beautiful because this gift has the ability to reach somebody that feels intimidated and that feels disheartened, somebody that has kind of lost their way, not been able to pick themselves up. And you know you've you've spoken to somebody with this gift because there are a couple of things that leave you once they leave you. You always feel better. You always have hope. And you always seem to have a smile on your face. Now think of this. Who of you have ever walked away from Dave not feeling this way? Huh? I told you you made the preach. You had no idea what was coming. He was scared. He thought I made it, I'm going to make a joke. But it's incredible. Whenever you speak to Dave, his joy somehow transfers onto you. And it's incredible. And that's exactly the gift of encouragement. It, it transfers the hope and the joy and the promises of God from the one that received the gift onto the one that's supposed to be the inheritor through you. And that's the most beautiful thing for me of these gifts, is none of them are meant for me. All of my gifts that I received from God is meant for you guys. And your guys' gifts are meant for me. And if we all live and function fully in our gifts... It's incredible to see the love and the beauty of the fullness of the body of Christ coming alive. Because we are meant to live outward, not inward. Towards one another and not towards ourselves. Now the gift of encouragement can also have an unhealthy state. And that's where somebody doesn't actually have sincerity when they speak to you. So that would mean somebody comes and tells you, oh, it's been a tough day, and you just go, buck up, buddy, you'll be fine, and then you just go on. And you kind of just steamroller over over somebody's emotions. Now that is not encouragement, friends. That's fake. Let's call it what it is. Somebody that truly encourages is somebody that has the ability to come stand next to you, listen to you, and speak directly into your situation, pointing you Towards the hope and the future and the truth, Jesus Christ. Because let's be real, this is my second point. Jesus himself is the supreme teacher and he is the supreme encourager. Now Jesus had this incredible ability to relate to everybody. When he talks to farmers, he talks sowing. When he talks to fishers, he talks nets. It's incredible. He just had this ability to really sum up his crowd and go like these people will understand this concept if I put it in this package. He had the ability to teach people where they're at and not teach people from where he's at but actually to reach into their situations. Now, he loved using parables. It was his primary way of teaching people, and I like calling a parable a picture of words, because when you read them, you can really imagine a sower walking around, sowing seeds, and you can see the seeds fall on the different places. Nobody did it better than Jesus, and the reality is, when he spoke to people, they had nothing different than us. They didn't have less fear. They didn't have less anxiety than what we are going through today. We might think, oh, I'm so unique, because I'm so scared. I'm sorry, (laughs) it's it's not true. (laughs) The reality is that we as humans have always been humans. The way that Jesus taught is still 100% applicable to us today. Now, we see this incredible, incredible portion of Scripture in Matthew 14. In verse 27, well, what happens before verse 27 is that they were busy ministering, and then Jesus sends the disciples onto the water and says, go ahead of me, I'll, I'll catch up with you guys, and a storm breaks out. And in the midst of this weirdness going on, all of a sudden, the disciples on the boat see somebody walking on water, and you know, their immediate response, of course, is, oh, wow, it's the Lord He's come to save us. No. What do they do? It's a ghost. How, what do we do when we see God showing up in our tough situations? we don't want to believe it's Him. Nothing has changed in the way that we react to God, but still Christ comes and He walks on the water. And you know what He does? He calls out and He says, don't worry, for it is me. I'm going to read the scripture. It says, take courage. It is I, do not be afraid. That's the first part of this parable I want to, look, or this, this story I want to look at. The next part is in verse 31, the first bit of it. Peter, obviously now he's the big mouth guy, he gets up and he says, well, if it's really you, I want to walk with you on the water. Won't that be cool, huh? Walking on water. He gets out of the boat, whoop, he's walking on water, until he starts looking at the water. And he starts sinking, and he cries out to God in the sinking moment, and Jesus If I read the story, it seems like he's far away. The next moment, he's right there, reaching his arm out, and he says, take my hand, and he pulls him up out of the water. See, because Jesus does two things in the way that he encourages us. The first one is he says, don't look at the waves, look at me. He always calls us to engage with himself because he is our courage. And the second thing is that even if we are at a point of sinking, He's there to reach out His arm and pull us out of the water. And in this, we get to see exactly how encouragement is supposed to work between us. Because first of all, we are supposed to call people towards Christ, away from their situations. And secondly, if we see people sinking, it's no help telling them, oh, don't sink stop it now (laughs) it's not good for you to sink anymore we actually need to reach out our arms grab hold and pull each other out of the water jesus is the one who speaks and holds and in the way that he encourages us that's the way that we are supposed to encourage one another my third thing is that these gifts, the gifts of teaching and the gifts of encouragement, are powerful? Go ahead and change the world. I want, to, I want you to quickly imagine this. Imagine that you had the courage of God at all times in full access. Do you think that you would be able to change the world? And did you know that no that there's nowhere in scripture where God doesn't say that He's going to be with you? This courage already lives inside of us. This encourager already lives inside of us. Now I want you to quickly turn to the person sitting next to you. Keep your masks on for social distancing. But look at one another. Are you looking at one another? What color is the eyes? Because we can't see the mouths anymore. That's wonderful. All right, now I want you to quickly tell the person sitting next to you is God has got you. Okay, now let's do it with some boomer. God has got you. Was that a difficult thing to do? This is how incredibly easy it is to encourage because it takes nothing of myself because everything comes from God. We encourage people towards Him and away from ourselves. It's incredibly easy. Now, Numbers 13 to 14, we're quickly going to look at what happens here. Now, it's, a, it's one of those stories that most people have read and heard in Bible school and in pre-primary school and everywhere because it's such a cool story. So, the Israelites are free from Egypt. Yay! They're in the desert. They're walking. They're on their way where? To the promised land. To the promised land. Mm-hmm. We're going to do this. And what happens? Moses sends 12 spies into the promised land. Those 12 spies go and they see incredible things. I mean, there's grapes the size of your fist. And it's like it's just like, what's going on here? This is incredible. And they come back to give people account of what they encountered in the land that God promised their forefather Abraham for them to inherit. And what happens? We know all 12 of them come back and said, yes, let's do this. We got this. No. See, the tendency that we have is that two out of twelve people have the ability to see what God wants them to see, and the other ten seem to just miss it completely. Because two of them were looking at the grapes, and ten of them were looking at the giants. Now, the two that came back, they said, no, man, God is on our side. We can do this. But the ten started spreading rumors around the rest of Israel. See, the gift of encouragement in its negative form is equally powerful to the gift of encouragement in its positive form. If you spread bad account, you will reap bad reward. It's as simple as that. And it's a hard condition because some people see grapes and other people see the giants. Some people see the promise of God and others see the problems that stand in the way of receiving the promise. But Jesus encourages us and He says, I am with you. And the result of this story is that God gets angry at, his, at, at Israel. And He says, listen guys, I am angry that you didn't obey me. Because I told you that that land is yours. I have given it to you, but you don't want to believe me. And you know what the crazy thing is? If you go a little bit further to Numbers 14... Um, Verse 20 to 24 says this. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of these who saw my glory and signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath of their ancestors. There's a reality to giving bad encouragement. And friends, we need to realize that our words have immense power because God says, and it happens, and we are designed in His image. What we say matters. The way we say it matters because we have the ability to lead people to the grapes or let people only see the giants. And you know what, they ended up wasting 40 years and an entire generation. Because not one of them got to go into the promised land. The only two people that got to go in was Joshua and Caleb, the two spies that came back with good report. There are consequences to what we say. You can either be part of what God is doing, or you can miss it. Now, I I made a little rhyme for us to pray for ourselves for this. And I want you to say it with me. It goes like this. Lord, give me eyes like those two spies to see the grapes and not the giants. Okay, now let's do it all together. Lord, give me eyes like those two spies to see the grapes and not the giants. Now, friends, I want to encourage you with this. The grapes are there. It's very easy for us to not see them because we see the giants. But yet again, God never promises no trial, but he promises victory for us because he will never fail his own words. So whenever you're feeling down, you know a rhyme now to get you out of that. Give me eyes like those two spies to see the grapes and not the giants. Yeah. All right. Now the great thing is we have eyes to see and a voice to speak. And the moment we shift our focus away from the giants and onto the grapes, onto the promises, onto the things that God wants to give us, wants to encourage us with, wants to empower us with, you know what happens? Our voice follows suit. Where our vision is and who our vision is on will determine 100% what's coming out of your mouth. So friends, I want to encourage you with this. Make sure who you are looking at. Make sure what you're reading, make sure that you are being filled with God and not with the stuff of this world. Because if it's the stuff of the world on the inside, what's going to come out is the stuff of the world. But if it's God and if you're filled with His power, filled with Him in totality, you cannot do anything other but glorify His kingdom and lead more people to join you into the promised land. Because those two spies led the entire Israel to take the promised land. And guess what? Where's Israel today? Still living there. God is faithful to His promises. And we need to grasp hold of that and say, I'm not going to look at myself. I'm not going to depend on my own strength. I'm not going to trust on the faith of the people that are walking in front of me. I'm going to look solely at Christ, straight ahead, running after Him, knowing that He's my hope, He is my guide, and that He is my courage, because for Him, all things are possible. And you know what? He lives inside of me. That means that I lack nothing, I do not have to fear, and I can be bold enough to step out and walk on the water with Him, because it's Christ doing all of this in me, and Christ doing all of this through me. And friends, I want to ask, allow God to strengthen and encourage you in this time so that we as a body of God, we as the church of God, can actually be a voice of hope, but also a voice of reason, giving practical solutions to the trouble we see around us, sowing hope and seeing the future that God wants to give us as His bride, because we are the hope of this world. God has but one plan for the earth. He has one plan only, and that's the local church. Never in scripture do you see Rambo. Never in scripture do you see He Man. You don't see this one person solely functioning on his own and taking everything by storm. Everywhere, the the story of God and the way that God wants to work with us on earth is through the local church and from one local church to another local church. And when we go on sending missions, what do we do? We plant a local church. We don't hang on the lips of prophets, we hang on the lips of our our God. That is the reality that we live in. So we, as the hope of this world, need to make sure where we are listening and where we are receiving our information from. Friends, I hope that today, in me screaming at you a little bit, dancing around, giving you courage, that you will know that this is a gift for all of us. I want to remind you that even if you didn't score high on this, and encouragement comes from God, so it's not dependent on your score test. It's something that we all can focus on. It's something that we all can live in, and it's something that we all can be for one another. So friends, let's go out this week and add on to the other gifts that God has already given us and say that I am going to be the encouragement that the world needs, and I'm going to teach the world God's truth. And not only what they see around them. Let's pray. Jesus, you are our supreme teacher and our supreme encourager. And what an incredible, incredible privilege it is to know that you are with us every step of the way. When you are far away, we get to see you coming and drawing you closer to us. And even if we're sinking, you're the one pulling us out of the water. And Jesus, today, our biggest prayer is that we not have eyes like those ten spies, but that we have the eyes of the two spies, that we can see your grapes and not the enemy's giants. Thank you, Jesus, that the victory is won because of you, and that we get to live because of you and in you, and that you call us into more than we can ever dream for ourselves. Help us to be the hope of this world. We pray this in your beautiful name alone. Amen.